0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless.
1: Amen. Amen. How's everybody's Christmas? Yeah? Good, good. Mine was cold. My Christmas was cold. Uh, Mona and I and the baby, we went out uh, to my parents' house for Christmas dinner and uh, we had a delicious meal um, cooked by my mother who slaved all day over the stove and, uh, and prepared this phenomenal meal for our family. We came back home and I came home to a cold house came home, I opened the door and I said, something's not right, my house is freezing. I've never had problems with my furnace before, uh, but I was that night. So Christmas night, I come home and suddenly I'm like, what is going on? I tinker with my furnace until one in the morning and I cannot get the heat to come on. It's blowing air, but the air is cold and that doesn't help, it just makes it colder. So I start to kind of freak out, it's Christmas day, I can't even run to Menards and get a space heater because no place is open. I have a five and a half month baby uh, who is, I'm trying to keep warm, and it's somehow. And so, Mona and I and Archie, we just cuddled up in one bed, tried to y- use body weight. I guess that's why I've been storing up all this excess body fat. <laughs> God was preparing me for this moment. Yes. And so, and so uh, we were able to keep Archie warm, and, and until the next morning, I call a guy who comes out, he looks at my furnace, and he says, Sorry to break this to you, but you have a crack in your heat exchanger, and you're going to need a new furnace, and, which exactly, is exactly what you want to hear the day after Christmas. Um, so he tells me that. He goes on to quote me some prices that fall between $6,000 and $10,000, um, which uh, filled me with utter and complete panic. <laughs> and, and now I'm, I'm having a cold sweats, literally, because it's cold in my house, and I, I'm freaking out. And... Uh, But I say, I, I, Mona and I start praying, and we start calling people to pray for the situation. And my parents are praying, and and everybody we know is praying. And we called uh, Peg, and Peg said, I don't know if God is a healer of furnaces, but we're going to pray like he is a healer of furnaces. And so we prayed like Jesus is a healer of furnaces, and I had a second opinion come out the the next day, and he came out. He looked at my furnace, and he looked all around, and he said, there's no crack in your heat exchanger. I don't know what that other guy was talking about. There is no crack in your heat exchanger. There is this little part that needs to be fixed. He swapped it out. It was $175, and I have heat. Amen. So I don't know if you know this, but Jesus is a healer of furnaces. Amen, amen. Uh, this, that's my little testimony from Christmas Day. Um, it made me think a lot about my reactions during the time, though, dur- dur- during this whole situation. And it's funny because I had already started putting this message together for today, which was on reactions. And so my mind was thinking about all the reactions that I had Christmas Day. There was waking up with my son on his first Christmas and watching the reaction on his face as he opened up toys or as I opened up toys for him. There was uh, my reaction to watching my son open up gifts. There was uh, my reaction when I came home Christmas night and it was cold. I was, I was filled with, with, with panic and fear. And there was my reaction when I almost fell to the floor when the guy told me it was going to be almost $10,000. I was filled with reactions. And each one of those reactions was um, brought about by either what I knew or what I didn't know. All of our reactions are inspired by what's known and what's unknown. My reaction to when I came home and my house was cold was one of fear because I had no idea what was wrong. My reaction to when the guy told me the price of how much it was going to cost, my reaction was one of panic because I did know what was in my account. (laughs) It comes down to what you know and what you don't know. And And it has to do with our reactions. The time that I, most, uh, that I think about most when I think about the way that I react and how it impacts my life, um, it, it reminds me of the, the day that Archer was born. Pretty much all of you guys know that my son Archer was adopted and that we got to be there for his birth. And uh, what a lot of you guys don't know is that the first hour of his life, we weren't allowed to touch him. We were in the room when he was born. And he was immediately given to his birth mother. And we were standing right next to her. But we weren't allowed to touch him. We could just stand right at her bedside and stare at him. And there was, for an hour, this lasted. For an hour. And so, I don't know if you've had kids, but could you imagine having a kid and not being able to touch him for the first hour? Some of you guys have maybe experienced that. If there's, like, complications with pregnancies. This, that, that first hour that we had of staring, we were filled with fear because... We didn't know if our birth mother was going to change her mind. We were filled with fear because there was so much unknown about the situation. But we couldn't allow that fear to come to the surface. Because if we allowed that fear to come to the surface, our birth mother could have read that as us being unsure about what was going on, um, they're, they're, it could have gone a lot of different ways. And so what we had to do was push down the fear and we had to cling to what we did know was true. And what we did know was, was true was that God promised this child to us. And so as we looked at our child who was born and, and watched him crying, it, it was okay for an hour because we pushed down our fear. And we brought up to the, our joy for the thing that we did know is that that was our son because God promised him to us. Amen? What is unknown and what is unknown. It impacts the way that we react, and the way that we react impacts our life. The way that we react can either detour our life, or it could course correct us to be on the right path. It's all about our reactions. Today we're going to look at a scripture where we see three different reactions to Jesus' power, and we're going to see how those have impacted the people's lives and how they can impact ours. It's in Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 39. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken the chains and had been driven by the demon into the solitary places. Jesus asked him, "'What is your name?' "'Legion,' he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission." When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down a steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what, was, what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man who had the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in, in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had, been, who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured, then all the people of the region of, of Gerasenes were asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. He got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you today. Uh, For the word that you've given me, I pray, Lord God, that you'd help me to communicate it effectively, Lord God. I pray that the word would go out, that we would have ears to hear, Lord God, and we'd be able to apply it to our life and go forward changed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So the first thing that we see in this this passage is we see this demon, and that's the first character that we're going to handle, the demon called Legion. Now the first thing I want to look at is what the demon does to the man. The demon strips the man of his clothing. At one point, this man uh, surely was living in town and was not demon-possessed. He wasn't born demon-possessed. He probably grew up in that town. He he grew up, uh, had friends and family, and at some point, he opened himself up, and those demons came in, and they possessed this man. This is a great New Year's sermon, I promise. (laughs) The demons possessed this man, and his life starts to fall apart. They literally strip him of his dignity. All of his clothes are stripped off and he's naked. It's, he, the demon removes him from his family and his friends, removes him from the town, and puts him all the way to live in the tombs and the solitary places. The demon is, is breaking down this man's life. It's a lot like what the enemy does to us. The enemy wants to strip us of our dignity. He wants to strip strip us of our clothing. See the word says that God wants to clothe us in righteousness. But the enemy wants to strip us of that righteousness. He wants to remind us of our sin and our our shame. He wants to break us down. He wants us to make us feel like we're not worthy to be in God's presence. He wants to remove us of every clothing of righteousness that God is trying to give us. See, God calls you holy. He calls you righteous because Jesus died for you. But the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. The enemy wants you to think that you are unredeemable. The enemy wants to strip you down. He also wants to remove you from the places and the people that love you and want to pour into your life. Do you ever notice that when you're going through something or you're you're going through a struggle, whether it's sin or you're just going through a tough situation, that the temptation is for you to withdraw from the people of God who want to pour into your life? The temptation is is not to go to church. It's to stay home and stay in your room and, and, and not go out. A lot of people see that and they call that depression. I see that and I see temptation from the enemy. He's trying to keep you from people who are going to speak life in, into you. He wants, you, wants to, 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 to bring you into solitary confinement where all he can do is strip you of everything that God has poured, on, poured into you and given you. He wants to break you down. He wants to remove you. I swear, God, the devil probably invented Netflix. I imagine the devil roaming the earth thinking, what way can I get people to not go to church on Wednesday nights? And what way can I get them to not talk to each other and just stay in one room and stare at a screen? I know. I'll, I'll, I'll create this thing where s- full seasons of shows are released at one point in time. And all they'll do is stay in the room and they won't go to church. Now, that's kind of hypocritical, hypocritical of me because... I watch Netflix and Amazon Prime and every, all those things. So, 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 but, but I can see that. The enemy wants to isolate us. He wants to, to break us down. And, and I'm not saying that, you, that we're all filled with demonic spirits, but I'm saying that there is an impure spirit. There is an, an enemy of our soul, a prince of this world, who wants to ruin your life. He wants to break you down. He wants to strip you of your clothing. He wants to isolate you from the people that love you and want to speak into you. And that's what this demon was wanting to do in this man. Next thing we notice is that the demon recognizes Jesus from a distance. Jesus doesn't get off the boat and walk up to the demon and say, Hi, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. I'm the the son of the Most High. Here's my credentials. Do you want to see my, this is why you should get out of that man. Here's my resume. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus steps off the boat and the guy, and the demon notices Jesus the moment that he steps off the boat. The moment that Jesus is pulling the boat ashore and the disciples are tying it up and Peter's probably doing something wrong and Jesus is yelling at him about it. The moment that Jesus steps off the boat, the devil and and that, that demon knew that Jesus was there. I want to tell you something in your life when you start to 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 invite Jesus into your life and you start to read your word and you start to pray and you start to come to church and you start to allow Jesus to to start stepping off the boat and start stepping into your life the enemy knows it from far off he sees "Uh uh-oh Jesus is coming Jesus is stepping into this person's life and the impure spirits that are in your life, the sin and the shame and the brokenness and all of those things, they start to shake and they start to tremble because they know that once Jesus is there, they know what that means. They know what that means. And so this devil is shaken in his boots because he knew what the coming of Christ meant. Jesus says in John twelve thirty one, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of, the wor- now the prince of this world will be driven out Jesus is referencing a prophecy spoken by God in Genesis 3.15 that the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. This demon knows who Jesus is. He knows all about who Jesus is. And he is terrified the moment that Jesus steps off. But it's funny that he's terrified because what we know about this demon is that he's, so, he's filled this man with such supernatural strength that though they bound him in chains by hand and feet, he broke through the chains. And though he was guarded by, by, by a guard uh, uh, who, who was um, trying to keep him in his place, that guard didn't hold him. Who knows what he did with that guard? I can't, if he's breaking chains with his hands, I can't imagine what he's doing to that guard. The whole town is scared of this guy. They're terrified of this guy because of his strength. And yet, here comes this small Jewish man. I assume Jesus is short because I've never met a Jewish guy that was tall, okay? The, the, I, I'm sorry. Sorry. Here comes this small Jewish man who gets off the boat. The demons should be able to overpower Jesus physically. If he can break chains, if he can, if he can attack a guard, if he can do all of that, he should be able to attack Jesus physically. And, and, and it's over. But he doesn't. Because you see, the people of the town were so afraid of this demonic man because he could break chains. But the demon was afraid of Jesus because he knew that only Jesus could break the real chains that bound that man. Oh, come on, that's good preaching right there. The demon knew that once Jesus showed up, The real chains that were wrapped around that man that held that that demonic presence in that man's life, that kept him stripped down, that kept him isolated, those those real chains, Jesus was coming to break them off. On Wednesday nights we've been talking about territorial spirits. I'm going to keep plugging Wednesday nights. On Wednesday nights we've been talking about territorial spirits and Pastor David has talked a little bit how how there are, are spirits that are given dominion over certain areas. And that when Jesus came and he came uh, 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 in, in, in the flesh, he came to take back these, these, the dominion from these spirits. So this devil, this demon that is in this man, this impure spirit, when he sees Jesus step off the boat, even though it's from a distance, he knows who Jesus is and he knows what he came there to do. He came back to take what the devil took. And the enemy knows As soon as you start letting Jesus get into your life, he knows his time is up. Do you realize how powerful that is? Do you realize that the moment that you, I don't care how far in sin you are, I don't care how big of a drug addict you are, I don't care how far gone your marriage is, I don't care what you're going through or how much sin you're in, the moment that you crack that book, the devil is shaking in his boots. Because he knows what comes. He doesn't stand a chance. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how strong he is, how much, he can, how much uh, he can hold you down, or the presence, how strong you felt, that the demonic presence. The moment that you start and letting Jesus get off that boat and step onto your shore, his time's done. The demon's reaction to Jesus is one of Fear. And it's one of fear because of what he knows. He knows who Jesus is. And he knows that Jesus and demons, they don't mix. It's funny. When I read the scripture and I see the demon ask for mercy, it, it makes me think, how great must Christ's mercy be that even the demons know of it? How great must his mercy be if even the demons think to ask for mercy? And it makes me think about our life. The enemy does not want you to know that there is mercy for you. He wants you to think that you're broken. He wants you to think that everything you did in 2018 is going to stay with you the rest of your life. Every mistake you made, it's going to follow you the rest of your life. He does not want you to know that there is mercy for you. He knows that if you ask, mercy will be given. He knows that, that you don't have to, to run a marathon to, 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 to earn that mercy. He does, knows you don't have to work for it. And so he tries to, to, to hide the fact. He tries to tell you that you're unworthy because he knows of Christ's mercy. Next people that we see witness this power and have a reaction are, are the main witnesses and the townspeople. We're going to group, uh, group these people together. I want to I paint you a picture here. Okay. Okay. Jesus and the disciples are coming off of this horrific storm right before this is, right, right uh, when Jesus was sleeping on the boat and there was a bad storm. So they're coming off the storm. They pull their boat up, and there's these pig herders who are up on top of this high point with a vantage point. It says they're on top of the hill. The pigs ran down. So they are at this high vantage point watching this all go down. And I imagine these two, these however many pig herders there are nudging each other like, hey, look at these guys who are about to go by the demonic man. Hey, I don't, in my mind, they're, they're like from Chicago. Like, hey, bat, hey, watch this guy. Hey, look, this guy's getting off the boat. He doesn't even know there's a demonic man. Like, you know what I mean? The, the, history tells us, and the Bible tells us, that, that this man was so terrified the town so much that they didn't use that road anymore. Could you imagine if there was some kind of crazy guy out in Ogden that was so crazy that we just stopped using Ogden? That's how terrifying this guy was, and so these, these uh, pig herders are watching it happen. They're watching it happen. They're like, "Oh my God! Hey, get over here! You're gonna watch, you're gonna have to watch the demonic guy rip these guys oh rip these guys apart." Remember what they did to that guard? Oh, my goodness, it's going to be hilarious. Hey, come on, watch it. Come on, this is going to be better than Netflix. Come on. And, and so they, 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 they come over, and, and I imagine them watching what's happening. And all of a sudden, uh, they see the, de- the demon man fall to his knees in front of Jesus, and they have no idea who, who Jesus is. They're probably so confused. And then all of a sudden, they see the demon man pointing up at them. And the demon's like, cast me into those pigs. But they're like, what? wait, what did the demon guy say? Why is he pointing at us? And all of a sudden, their, their, their herd of pigs goes running down the hill. And they all drown themselves. And the pig herders are like, what just happened? They're probably in such shock. What just happened? All of, all of their pigs are floating in the lake. They're all dead. They have, what, what? Could you imagine if I, one of your work days, everything you were in charge of just completely just went away? Like it all failed? You're like, I was supposed to be watching that. These pig herders had, pig herders had no, who, no clue who Jesus was. So they, they, they go and they tell the townspeople. and The townspeople come back and the reaction is one of fear. It's interesting. Why is the reaction one of fear? Is it because of the animals? Is it because, is it because uh, Jesus, uh, because they don't want any more of their animals killed? If they're like, hey, man, that was a lot of money that just went to waste because you cast the demon into those pigs. I don't think so. I don't think it's about money. Other option is, is they could be afraid because they didn't know who Jesus was and they had never experienced power like that. That could be a, a very real option. It, it could be, maybe. Um, the third thing, and this is what I think it really is, is because the fear of what Christ's power represents is they're afraid of change. Because if you look in the scripture, They're not afraid when they come and they see all the pigs in the lake. They're afraid when they come and they see the demon-possessed man who's now in his right mind and and, and is clothed. We're going to read that verse really quick. It says, And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Why would they be afraid? Why wouldn't they be rejoicing? Hey, we can use Ogden again. Why wouldn't they be rejoicing? Because the reality is that when Jesus starts to move, it brings change. When Jesus starts to move, the blind see and the deaf hear and the mute talk, but also hypocrites get called out, sin is confronted, and man-made traditions are flipped on their head. Jesus is coming into this place. He's bringing the power and the presence of God. And these people are afraid of what Jesus is going to bring. He's going to bring change. We do the same thing in our life. Excuse me. Jesus starts to to move in our life. And we start to see him do things. And suddenly we become afraid because we say, if Jesus starts moving, I know what this means. This means that things are going to change. It means that I can't hold on to that sin anymore. It means that I have to forgive that person that I've been holding a grudge against. It means that, my, that, that everything, uh, all the Hail Marys and things that I, that I, I, I think are, are redeeming me are not actually redeeming me. When Jesus starts to move, we get afraid because our life is going to change. And so we do what the people did. The reaction to their, their reaction is fear, and their fear makes them push Jesus away come on have you ever been there have you ever been there where Jesus is moving your life and it scares you because you say well I man, I God I don't know that I want to give up my finances God I, I don't know that I want to give up my my business or or my marriage or my kids or or I don't know that I want to give that control over to you I'm afraid of what you're going to do with it because God doesn't like us to be comfortable God's not calling us to sit and watch netflix God's calling us to go out. He doesn't want us to, 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 to all we do is, is sit in a recliner and, and, and never go and tell anybody about Jesus. He wants us to get up. He wants us to go. He may want you to go overseas. He may want you to be a missionary. And, and, and God starts to speak that. And we go, la, 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 God, don't tell me that. I'm going I'm to run away. And we take off. We're afraid of the change that the the power and the presence of Jesus is going to bring to our life. And so we push Jesus away. But the thing about that is if you push Jesus in the way, he will get back in the boat and take off. Jesus doesn't argue with them. Jesus doesn't say, don't you know what you're doing? Jesus doesn't plead with them to stay. Jesus came there to, to do ministry. He went through a storm. He he went through this horrific storm that almost cost his disciples their life to get to this point. He went through all that to go do ministry in this one area. But the people were so afraid that they pushed him away. And Jesus doesn't plead to stay there. He gets in his boat and he goes back. I want you to take that as a warning for your life. God wants to do things in your life. He wants to move in your life. And when he starts to move, it might get scary because things will change. I'm not going to lie to you and say that you're just going to, the only thing that's going to change is you're going to start coming to church on Sundays and maybe hopefully Wednesdays, and, and nothing's going to change. Your life will change. Your relationships will change. Your finances will change. Everything will change. The way you do business will change. Everything will change because we are contrary to who Jesus is. Galatians 5.17 talks about how the, the flesh is at odds with the spirit. Because the spirit and the flesh, they they don't go together. It's either one or the other. And when we invite the spirit of God to come into our life, the things of our flesh, they have to go. And that means our life changes. The last person that we see, the last person that we see is the man. It says, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged, him, begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. The man's reaction is not a fear. All of these parties experience the same exact thing. The demon experiences Jesus' power. The people witness Jesus' power. The man experiences Jesus' power. They all do it. But the first two are afraid. This man's not afraid. It says that this man begged Jesus to go with him. The people who witness this that are afraid of God, their response is to push Jesus away. They experience the same power, and yet their, 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 their fear makes them push Jesus away. But this man experiences power and he says, I want more of that. I want more of that. I want to be closer to that. I want to experience more of that. And why is that? Is it because he knew who Jesus was? No. He didn't know who Jesus was. The demon knew who Jesus was. The man had no idea. The man had just experienced this miracle. The only thing that this man knew about Jesus is that he set him free. That he was good. And what, ha- what happened to him was good. What happened right now in my life, I was lost, now I'm found. I was naked and hiding in tombs, and this man removed those demons from my life. And now I've been set free, and I'm clothed, and I'm in my right mind, and I have my life back. All he knew about Jesus is that what Jesus did was good. And his response is, I don't know Everything about Jesus. I don't need to know the theology. I don't need to know his genealogy. I don't need to know any of that stuff. I don't need to know uh, 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 when he's coming back. I don't need to know any of that. All I need to know is that he does good things and I want to be uh, be near the good things. He does good things and I want more good things. In our life, we have times when we don't fully understand what God is doing, we may be terrified. We, the, the circumstances may be, be cloudy, and we may not know how, it's, how we're going to get out of it. But if you know that God does good things, then push down that fear and cling to the good thing that God is doing. Amen? Push down the fear, cling to the thing that God is doing. Don't push God away, because if you do, he'll get back in the boat. Cling to what is good. Cling to Jesus is doing good things. Can I tell you that this year, 2019, God is going to do good things. He's going to do powerful things in this church. We already talked about coming with expectations, expecting that God is going to move in a powerful way. He's going to do powerful things in this church and in this community. Do you believe that? Jesus is going to move. My question is, how are you going to react? There's a song when I was in college by Misty Edwards that that said, um, it was about the spirit moving, and and the bridge said, I don't want to be offended when it's all coming down. And uh, that's always stuck with me. I don't want to be offended when it's all coming down. What's your reaction to be when God moves? What's your reaction going to be when someone when God sets someone free and you know that they've been a sinner? Is your reaction going to sit back and say, "Oh, let's see if it lasts." When God comes up and heals someone at the altar, is your reaction going to be like, "They weren't really sick." When God starts changing people's lives, what is your reaction going to be when he moves? What's your reaction going to be? Is it going to be a fear because God is changing? Is it going to be a fear because if God can change that person, it means he's not okay with what you're doing? What is the reason? Well, how are you going to react? I say we cling to what's good. I say that I know God does good things. I know that God has done good things in this church this past year. Oh, come on. Come on, has God done good things in your life this year? I know that God is going to do good things this upcoming year. When he does them, let's respond by clinging to Jesus. Let's beg to go with him. Let's want to see more of it. And when he gives us commands, let's listen to him. Jesus commanded the man to go, don't come with me. Go back home and tell everybody what happened. And the man did it. Let's do what Jesus is telling us to do this morning. Would you pray with me?
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you're blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.